When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, what up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice, Asian comedy podcast where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, sports, and trending topics. On today's show, we'll be talking about Asian Heritage Month and what it means to us. This will be our third day in a row talking about that, but each day we've had different Asians, so of course we get different answers each day. And after that, we will be talking about May the 4th, which is, of course, Star Wars Day. So, um, on the podcast with me today is Thomas Young, Nicholas Fernandez, Lily Wah, and Susie Park. Everybody say hi. Hi. Hello, everybody. Hi. Um, Hello. Oh, okay, cool. Well, if you want to find out more about each of our guests today, we'll have their information in the show notes, and also we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. But jumping into our very first topic, Asian Heritage Month, Let's go to Thomas first. What does Asian Heritage Month mean to you? And was your heritage a big part of your growing up? You know, that, that's a good question. Um, I consider myself a bit of a agnostic or skeptic when it comes to, you know, cultural pride events per se. And um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting because even though a- Asian Heritage Month, you know, began in the States uh, since the 1970s, I think the you know, kind of active interest in it, uh, like we're seeing today, is, is still relatively new. Um, and I think that's a wonderful thing, uh, because it means that we're all in a kind of an early stage of trying to figure out, you know, what this all means. Uh, you know, are we a community of communities? Are we, do we have a lot of commonality? Is there one voice here? And yeah, even just, though uh, I, I don't consider myself... Just, just a quick question. When you say agnostic, does that mean you don't celebrate any of the Asian holidays? Like... Lunar New Year, Moon Festival, Golden Week, all these other. Um... I celebrate the. I celebrate. Uh, I celebrate Chinese New Year just so I can show my non-Chinese friends the the, the horrible uh, traditional <laughs> dishes that we have. Uh, you you'd be amazed. People still you know can't can't stand the uh, the black hair fungus. You know that's always a fun. Well, no, but in terms of agnostic, I mean. Um, I I I I I sometimes I do have to wonder whether or not you know um, a strong kind of unified voice or a strong cultural identity is is something that's in the cards for us because we are such a diverse uh, uh, the word Asian is just so broad and so diverse and even within Canada we have so many different communities even within the same ethnic community you've got you know liberals conservatives people different religions and so forth so I, I'm agnostic in that sense in that. Um, uh, I'm not entirely sure where we're going, but I, I do, I am interested in the dialogue that happens. Yeah, is there, you know, just because, you know, I, I know you're from two separate communities, both the Asian community and the LGBTQ plus community. Do you feel the same way with LGBTQ plus events? Um, are you more into um, pride events or is it specifically the Asian events that you're agnostic to or just in general, you don't like celebrations? You know, that's a good question. Um I've I've only been to the Pride Parade as uh, an observer once in Toronto. Um, usually I'm in it for a variety of reasons, whatever group I happen to be a part of that year. I'm usually in it, which is a lot, which is a lot more fun. So I, I guess in, in terms of that, uh, but I guess with the LGBT community, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, even though we're all you know, very diverse, there is a, we do have you know, similar experiences in that respect. And, and, and you know, 
similar values and you know a similar goal in mind um whether it's you know in the early days you know acceptance of tolerance or now mm. you know celebration of, of what we've achieved i think with the with the asian community we're still we're, i think we're still working that part out and which i think is a good thing and even if there's never an answer to mm. that i think even the just the just the our attempts to get there such as you know having having this discussion are an excellent way to excellent way to go Okay, great. Um, you know, there's definitely more there I want to learn about, but we'll we'll come we'll come back to that a little bit. Let's go over to Lily. And before Lily gets started, I just want to let everybody know. You know, uh, feel free to jump in um, if something that somebody says interests you. Just uh, just jump in and pick up on it. Let's uh, let's have a conversation here. So let's go, Lily. Well, Asian Heritage Month is pretty cool. I uh, grew up in Calgary, Alberta, and my parents actually immigrated to Canada because uh, they were refugees and we were sponsored here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since I was five, six, my dad put me in Chinese school. So even though we, you know, immigrated to a place where there weren't a lot of Asian people, my dad kind of kept, you know, the Asian in us by like, pretty much forcing us to go to Chinese school every weekend and learning the language. So, I mean, I learned Chinese by singing karaoke and going oh, to Chinese yeah. school. <laughs> so, How was that? Was that Mandarin or Cantonese or both? Both. But my Mandarin is horrible. Uh, it's definitely Cantonese is the stronger of the two. Mm. So, yeah, growing up in Calgary, Alberta, you know, it's very different. I mean, I moved to Toronto three and a half years ago now. There mm. just weren't as many Asian people when I was growing up there. So I always felt, you know, I was a bit of an outsider. But then when I, you know, as Calgary became a bigger city, there were more Asians. But definitely when I was younger, I would, you know, kind of feel, you know, embarrassed when I would bring sticky rice for recess. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love sticky rice. <laughs> you know, and, and like, you know, at the, like, and then you come to a place like Toronto and I see the kids, they fully embrace their Asian culture because there's just so many Asians here. And I feel like I wish I had grown up here because this wouldn't have been weird here, you know? So, I mean, we grew up in actually a small town outside of Alberta before we moved to Calgary. Oh, what, what city? Spruce Grove. I'm sure you've, you know, I've actually never I, I've done because I, I, I started for the listeners. I actually started my comedy career out in Alberta and specifically Calgary. I was going to the University of Calgary at the time and I, I thought I had gone to every small town, but apparently not Spruce Grove. Oh, there's so many. I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's Spruce Grove. But we moved to Calgary when I was two or three. I can't even remember. So did you move to Toronto for the ethnic people? No, I got oh. to of work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, Toronto's uh, interesting in terms of uh, growing up because uh, you definitely don't get it bullied as much for your, uh, I guess, your cultural identity. Um, here, they mostly just focus on your personality <laughs> and what and, and what the things you like. Like that's really what they like to go. For. And that's what they should focus on, right? That's what. Yeah, they yeah. It's 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 like it's a it's uh it's um. <laughs> it's a quality, but it's like uh, exclusion through a quality. You know, yes. <laughs> everyone gets <laughs> excluded together. <laughs> yes, <laughs> mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think the best thing about Toronto and part of the reason why I wanted to move here is it's well known, or at least it, it really pushes itself as the most diverse city in the world. And I, I think yeah. it definitely lives up to that building. It's the most diverse city I've ever been to for sure and i think that's that that's quite amazing um okay it's interesting because uh, i'm from vancouver and asian heritage month is a bigger deal here oh, than wow. it is in vancouver and i think part of the reason is maybe when the city is like 60 percent of the people are either indian or chinese and asian heritage Month is almost a bit redundant but you come to toronto and where it's a bit lot more mixed and i think it's a bigger deal yeah, no, and and Toronto knows how to uh, how to commercialize holidays for sure. Um, oh, yeah. They commercialized Pride since 1995. I yeah. mean, they, they commercialize everything. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that Toronto commercialized Pride in 1995 because yeah. in I was Calgary, baby dyke in 1993, <laughs> four, but I wasn't gay, so they didn't know how to label. I just had a shaved head, and I called called the f the other f word a lot, but. <laughs> Oh, okay. The other F word? 
Yeah. Can, <laughs> I was sitting at the steps. You know the steps? No, I'm, I, I'm meaning, can you can that? you be specific on the other F word? On what, oh. what that is? Feminist? Fag? Fag it's, that's the other yeah. F word? Uh, it's one of them. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know if I would can say that here, but I got called that a lot. Like when I would, because oh. I lived around the corner. So I Mong, I share your confusion. I, 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 like, yeah, and I was. What, what's like, the original F word? If that's boy? the other F yeah. word. <laughs> so, yeah, and I didn't wear makeup back then, so like teenage boy, and I was, I was like, but but I'm a girl. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, cool. Like, so um, you know, since since we're talking about your your teenage life, let's let's go over to to Susie. How is your um your upbringing as far as your heritage? Did you celebrate Asian Heritage Month? Do you celebrate asian history Mm -hmm. i didn't know what it was until a couple of years ago um i didn't know that it existed i didn't know i grew up in mississauga so we had like multicultural festivals and things Mm -hmm. like that but usually it was just like bringing together like indian food and chinese food and you know just like some greek food a little bit of this and that and you know and then they have these festivals and they all the different shades of people around and then you forget about it all for a year and then you come back right but um i moved to toronto a lot a lot of the reason was because it wasn't as diverse as it is now and i grew up in like um i don't want to age myself but i grew up sometime i was born sometime in the 70s and i did get to see the star star wars live i mean we're, we're gonna talk about that right in the theater but um yeah and so I did get to experience a lot of like the the city culture because my grandparents lived in the Moss Park uh, government apartments in mm. downtown, but uh, a lot of my family also lived out in or Burlington, so we had a lot of different experiences. Like my Burlington cousins, they were they were non Asian, like they didn't even know they were Asian except they looked Asian. So they were like, "Ew, what's that stinky stuff?" It's like kimchi. What's that? Right? Their parents didn't teach them. This is my my mom's older brothers and their wives. And, but my mom's like she just takes after her mom. So I I was very fortunate to be able to like yeah eat a lot of good Korean food and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of like the torture, you know, like Asian yeah. parent torture, that kind of thing, like literally hitting your head on like cast iron frying pans and things. That that part I didn't like so much, but. But but the food part and the, like, the culture celebration, oh, I love that stuff, right? I was kind of one of the few things that I loved because everybody was in a good mood and we were celebrating. Yeah, yeah you know what? How I... crazy to see, oh, sorry, Ron. No, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. How crazy to see that uh, what you know, white people that love yoga are super into kimchi <laughs> now, right? <laughs> it's just <laughs> things that come full circle, Howard. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yoga, kimchi, like Sri Racha sauce. It's all yeah, it's kombucha, all... like all of it. You know, like <laughs> if it had if it has an Asian flair, then white girls in leggings are. In, you know, <laughs> and yeah. they're like, Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. Yeah. Is that why there? everybody yeah. has garlic sweat these days? <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> kimchi and then yoga, and then yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, okay. It's thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Susie. Let's let's go to 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 Nicholas. What? Uh, let's talk about a bit of your Asian heritage, um, your upbringing. How much was it um, a part of your life growing up? Did your parents yeah, instill that in you? I definitely. Uh, I, since this is a video podcast, let's address the elephant in the room uh, right up front. Um, I am technically Asian. Um, is the joke <laughs> that I like to do. I haven't done stamp in a while, so I'm gonna use use my bits, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I look like this because I'm half Indian, half Italian. Uh, so the the amalgamation kind of makes me look like uh, ambiguously Middle Eastern. Uh, <laughs> pretty much, but uh, but yeah. So I, I was growing up. Um, I, I definitely felt uh, more more Italian than than Indian because basically my dad got got married to my mom. My dad's the Indian one. Got married, and he was like, uh, I think I think I'm gonna jump join this ship because uh, he he really liked the sense of community and the culture. And uh, my Indian side wasn't quite as um, you know involved with each mm. other. Um, you know, it was a little bit a little bit different. But uh, yeah, so. I mean, culturally, I feel it in the food and, and my palate and uh, and that type of thing. But, you know, none of the language really made it through. So uh, I always feel kind of um, fraudulent when I try and claim an Asian heritage. So it's it's interesting, you know, you, you, uh, you know, Thomas and, and a couple of other people have touched on feeling like, you know, you're a part of a community, but you don't feel like a participant. Right. Like I think that's where I'm kind of at, where it's like, I appreciate being a part of the community, but it, it, when people start talking about their, their ethnic experiences, I feel, you know, yeah. 
I, I hesitate to jump in. Right. Yeah, that, that's an interesting segue because uh, to get back to to Thomas, sort of, it's interesting. I sort of want to hear more about your your experiences um, growing up. This sort of led you to being agnostic. Like, did your parents put you in classes like Lily and me? Me as well. I was in uh, yeah, multiple language cool. classes. Um, yeah. Or did you? You know, are your? I, I shouldn't assume. Are both your parents Asian? Did you grow up around Asians, or just sort of? Um, if you wanted to give us a bit more yeah, background okay, on that. Okay. Um, well, interesting because. Um, uh, I'm I'm Hong Kong Chinese. My my parents came from from Hong Kong, both of them, um, and they were both raised in parochial schools. Uh, so I think uh, you know my view of Asianness is a little bit different because they really loved the um, Anglo British aspect of of their culture, which, which, you know, and just as uh, just as much of their Chinese aspect. So you know I, I did uh, I I think I, I think I did, we did attempt Chinese school. Uh, a while ago, I think I, I, I may have washed out the first uh, the first <laughs> the first uh, day. I'm not quite sure. Like uh, either that or, or or I didn't make it in the Marines. I Your accent was, was too there. British. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No. So it's it was the jumping jacks that got you, right? Yeah, yeah. The jumping yeah. jacks crawling through the fox wire. You know. <laughs> I don't think that was Chinese school. Or the Tai Chi warm ups. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you guys. Uh, was there some sort of exercise component in Chinese school? Just as an outsider, that's what I want to know. <laughs> no, not not at my Chinese school. No, that's for sure. No, no, but they made you do like karaoke competitions and writing competitions and yeah. Wow. <laughs> See, yeah. like the stereotypical thing you think of is like some yeah. sort of martial arts happening, but it's even more stereotypical what actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. no, no martial arts, just karaoke. Oh, I love that so much. Oh, great. Well, uh, thanks. I'm so jealous now. I'm like, why didn't I have karaoke in Korean school? <laughs> we do that too. Well, I'm I'm surprised because in Toronto, Koreatown is the heart of Karaokeville right? for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, thanks to everybody for sharing a bit about your heritage and um, what it means to you. But now let's talk about tomorrow well when this podcast is um will go live will be tomorrow which is may the 4th which of course is officially star wars day um for those who don't know it's because obviously may the 4th be with you it's just a funny little thing um you know a hashtag that started and then disney adopted it i do know there's some like weird stuff going on because they want to copyright it now even though they didn't start it so the fans are getting kind of mad at disney but that's for a whole other topic guess what greedy corporations are greedy but let's uh, let's uh, that that won't be our topic today our topic today will be about star wars and the first question i want to ask everybody is what does star wars mean to them just so we get a little bit of a background you know like are you have you seen all the movies have you just seen a few are you like into the video games the comics all of that do you go to conventions do you dress up or are you a casual viewer um let's go to lily uh i think i started becoming a star wars fan as an adult mm. because when i was younger i was subjected to chinese soap operas and karaoke lots of it <laughs> <laughs> i loved it all though i love i still watch it till this day but as when I, you know, grew up, all my friends would, we'd go to the theater and we'd watch it. And I just loved it when I, you know, became an adult. And I think why I loved it so much is there's really strong female leadership in a lot of the episodes, like Princess Leia mm -hmm. or like Rey, or even like looking up to women like that. And they're just taking charge and, you know, leading the whole rebellion. And it's just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. There's also a uh, Queen Amidala. There's also Jin yeah. uh, Erso. Hmm. Yeah, so lots. I think that's why I was like, so I just fell in love with it because not that you stereo, I think just eons and eons of like superheroes you always think of like they're very male centric especially when i was growing up i mean now there's like wonder woman but when you're younger it's like batman or superman it's always mm -hmm. something with a man right and then in star wars <laughs> it's so inclusive not just women but it's just a story of like how friends have each other's backs there's oh. always like you know my friend did something for me i have to go back and save my friend it's it's the the female leadership and the unity and the friendship yeah. and you know also she became queen at 15 
I just want to, I want, that's a fact that I know (laughs) she became queen at 15. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's why I fell in love with it. And I still love it to this day. Well, you know, kind of jumping off of what you said about women in Star Wars, one thing I kind of noticed was that I can't think of a single female villain outside of that awful Han Solo movie, but it's all powerful, heroic women, but I don't know, maybe maybe I'm missing something. Is there a prominent female antagonist? Obviously, I know like in, in the uh, in the cartoons and the video games. Yes, okay. I'll say that because uh, I was the, gonna the, say, how many women have started a war in this world ever? <laughs> Several That's true. in the Clone Wars. <laughs> Actually, there's a lot more diverse representation and uh, and and types of characters in the cartoons. Actually, they're a little bit more, even though they're quote unquote made for children. They have a lot more depth in terms of their storytelling, the types of stories and characters they explore. Yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us more about your um your background with Star Wars? It seems like you you clearly watch more than just the movies. You're into the Clone yeah, Wars. Yeah. Uh, I'll say um, it, just to keep the answer short on on the depth of my my fandom is I stopped just short of dressing up at conventions. That's like where I <laughs> stop that I consume, uh, you know, all of their media in terms of movies, cartoons, uh, video games, books. I've read so many Star Wars books, but uh, to keep uh, on a more relatable note, um, it's actually Star Wars is the way that I found out that my my first like serious girlfriend actually loved me. Oh. Um, Right. This is good content. Uh, but <laughs> the, 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 what, what happened was um, the new one was coming out, number seven, and uh, I, I got tickets and, and asked her to come watch it with me. And unbeknownst to me, she went back and rewatched like all of the old movies uh, oh. and took notes. Oh, okay. like just to keep track of like everything that was happening. Cause she, like, she told me after we had seen like the new movie, she was like, yeah, I went and rewatched the old movies and took notes. Cause I knew this was really important to you. And oh, so I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> relationship oh, wow. didn't work out, but that's besides the point. <laughs> you let her go. Uh, yeah, you didn't, she sounded like a keeper. <laughs> yeah, ah, it, you know, keeper. you know, life, life happens. Right. But oh. uh, it, it was, uh, but yeah, it was a really beautiful moment, and that that that's uh, something that, like, you know, it it's like the when the things that you care about people, other people show care for. It's like that's you know what what love is, right? Like when they yeah. when they you know care about you really more honest. than themselves, right? Yeah, it's just, and and Star Wars played a part in that. But yes, I'm a huge Star Wars fan and uh, love all of it. So cool. Um, out of all those different mediums, which do you think resonated the most with you? Um, I'm a I'm a bibliophile, so I, I think the books really, really um, are what drove my um, my love and my passion for it. Because uh, I read the expanded universe, what they call now Star Wars Legends, because it's no longer canon or no longer like sanctioned as a main story so that's when like what what they originally said happened to luke han leia all that stuff it's a really really rich story really rich universe i really and then they had all of these different types of novels written by different authors so it was star wars but it was star wars with a darker tinge with a more mm-hmm. lighthearted tinge and all these different things um and they're just wonderful novels and and you know i i, I expanded my vocabulary i became more literate while also being into um, laser swords uh, wow. so it, it was really diverse um, and for people that want to try and get into books I, re- I, I recommend starting with hard contact it's about com- uh, uh, clone commandos and it's re- it's got a good love story and it's well written so start with that oh that's cool that's cool and let's go over to Thomas yes. well Star Wars really was my childhood and uh, and yeah I had I had everything I had the original Millennium Falcon I had uh, every Luke Skywalker ever made uh, you know, and um, I had uh, I had the big head Han Solo. I think any of the with the the white the what Han Solo? What, what did you say? You had the what Han Solo? The, the big head Han Solo. The ah uh, yeah. The, yeah the, the, oh, yeah, like Nick, like Nick, Nick, like, Nick like for your wall. They, yeah, they, they, they made they, a bad hand solo that where its proportions were off. Um, oh, they, I don't think they ever like clarified whether it was a mistake in the in the design or a mistake in the execution, but it's just it's weird looking. 
Oh yeah. wow! That's collectors a little Easter egg for the uh, for the collectors community out there. <laughs> uh, I, I had the Thomas, big really quick, you, you're you're using the past tense of had. Do you still have these, or should I should I feel bad for your wallet and your parents who might have thrown them out? I don't. Um, okay, <laughs> yes, these yes, things yes, are gold feel bad. now. You can feel bad. Oh uh, yeah. Although, although to be honest, as, as I'm still a toy collector myself, and unfortunately, the condition the the uh, toys were in, they 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 would have been virtually worthless, oh. other than sentimental value. So um, you love them enough to actually use them, you monster! Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I had staged my very first uh, Star Wars Broadway musical uh, using those things, so which oh, wow. set me on a totally different path. I think. But uh, you know, it's. Uh, but uh, yeah, you no, should I see Han do ballet. He's uh, a yeah. he's <laughs> oh man, when Han does Swan Lake, he is just a vision. Han Lake, yeah, um, pants were tight enough for worth it. Swan Lake, though. Okay, and, you guys uh, picture Harrison Ford. Oh, what a treat! Oh, <laughs> well, you know, young Harrison Ford. That'd be pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, he. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's let's go over to to you, Susie. What's your how? What does Star Wars mean to you? Well, um, my introduction to Star Wars was, as I said, in a theater. Um, I don't know which GTA theater. I was only, you know, I'm gonna say a toddler. Um, oh, for was, um, I, for the listeners, GTA is Greater Toronto yeah. Area, yeah. not Grand Theft Auto. Yes, right. We're talking about games. just, 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 so, just to clarify, uh, yeah. Susie's first experience with Star Wars when it's not stealing a car, yeah, <laughs> or punching a lady of the night. <laughs> <laughs> that's another episode. So, so, yeah, I went to the theater. Um, I was only five, I didn't speak any English. My, I think my dad was into it because I don't think I couldn't even picture my mom going, "Hey, let's go see Star Wars." Um, but our whole family went. My brother was like two or three. Um, and I fell asleep through parts of it, but I kept waking up. And so, so I remember little flashes of things, mm. um, like Leia, I remember like little, uh, little, those guys, but I didn't know they were short, you know, at the time I just saw these little, these glow in the dark eyes. Mm -hmm. And then I remember like Chewy before I got my own. And then, um, the, yeah, the Jawas they're called those little guys, right. And, um, things like that. So I just remember little bits and pieces, but I remember like, Princess Leia was always like so strong and you know, that kind of, so when I watched it back, it was very, um, it was a very different experience when I watched it back when after I learned English and you know, gone through life a little bit, I was just like, wow, this woman kicks ass. Like she's consoling these guys. She's like standing up and she's like calling out the dicks and she's just, and she's saving people's lives. Like get out of my way. Somebody's gotta <laughs> save us, right? It was the first the in the original. Star Wars. I, I'm talking about episode four because to me that was the yeah, first. She, Wars, right? Yeah, yeah. She's the first movie. one to start throwing hands and and shooting people in the Death Star. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. She, she, and so she, that's she what didn't... I remember the most about Star Wars is my memorable experiences with like just that, and then going back to that and saying, "Wow, I really um I didn't I didn't appreciate it because I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was really scared of it, but now it's really cool. And then uh, so yeah, I watched the others. Empire Strikes Back. I kind of slept through a little bit. Return of the Jedi was a great story because it really tested Luke, right? And uh, and then like the yeah. bond between Luke and Leia, and of course she's consoling him again and calling out the assholes all the time. Yeah, but, just just, um, just just before we dig too deep into each of the episodes, oh, sorry, just, yeah. just sort of like an overall, what what have you like have you seen? So you've seen the original trilogy, yeah. Sort of what have you seen? The prequel trilogy, the sequel nope. trilogy. Nope. Um, any of the expanded universe? Nope. You should start with number one. Uh, you'll love Jar Jar. But I like that uh, jazz on the soundtrack. I had the soundtrack on a vinyl, and uh, I love that. The, you know, the flapper music, and then the dun, 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 dun. and yeah, I could listen to that over and over and over. I, I love that she described Cantina Band as flapper oh. music. That was <laughs> that was the best, right? The bar. <laughs> yeah, I love that. and then in, in Return of the Jedi, you see that a yeah. lot again. So. Yeah, yeah, just really like just a quick question, Susie, because it seems like you really love the original trilogy, and then there was all this hype about the new movies, yes. and um, you know, both when the prequels came out and now with the sequels, what caused you to not be interested to follow those movies since Ooh, you ouch. you really like the originals? Do I really have to answer that? Because of that's, course, that's kind of, of course, hurt some people. listeners want to know okay. why why did you abandon Star Wars? You have no fans here that'll stick up for them, so, um, 
Star Trek. <laughs> I got hooked on Star Trek. Star Trek. No, that's a. Did did was it one or the other? You had to you had to make your choice. Uh, I just I get hyper focused on certain things and then I get obsessed, right? So then oh. I'll move into that. And that's what I'll do. Like I chewed cinnamon and gum for like two years, and then I stopped, and I never oh. did it again. I just get right, right hyper focused. So that's what that was. And on the but, first, but the first movie yeah. only, mostly, right? So I remember oh. the second, third movie, but no, it was the original Star Wars movie that I was. And I even I had got 1998 or nine or something. And I'm pretty sure it was 98. They Burger King came out with those toys. What I don't remember what that was for, but um, yeah. I got that. I had to buy that little cube with the Darth Vader and uh, Yoda half half holograms. Oh, I, I have it somewhere. I swear to God, if my place. Yeah. Is so we um so the, the, that's an interesting topic. Let's go to the collectibles. <laughs> it sounds like Thomas is really into the collectibles. Oh yeah. Um, are there collectibles that you have, Nicholas? I, I know for me, like the coolest collectible, yeah. um, recently was that that bb8 toy that sort of like went wild because it, it was it was pretty cool the remote controlled one and it's they, sort of like a dancing elmo type of thing but the, for the star wars universe right like it's like a yeah. it's like the the droid tickle me elmo but yes i do have a bunch of collectibles um on, not on the like the the sealed toy side i i got really really into lego mm. um like um to the point that my parents hated that i was really into lego um because i don't know if you guys know this but lego is um i, I believe the the metric term is um fuck ton expensive um it's it's so yeah. ridiculously Makes expensive sense, yes. um yes. so like yeah. it got so bad that my dad went on ebay and he was like we're not doing this anymore we're not going to toys Rock. It, wow. it's not happening so he went on ebay and he bought 13 pounds of lego oh and then <laughs> and then yeah, it, it came in a box with a garbage bag, and it, it was like some guy whose kid had grown up, and he was he had moved out, and he didn't want the toys anymore, so he was just selling it in bulk. And so my mom took all of them and put them in a in a uh, bathtub with a little bit of bleach and some oh. water, and like because <laughs> it was yeah. someone else's toys. <laughs> oh my god, it was incredible. But yeah, I have I have I have, uh, I have um, yeah thousands of de- of dollars worth of uh, worth of Star Wars Lego, and then actually one of my family friends. Um, gave me her old um collectible uh toys i i haven't even gone through them in a while so i didn't even know what i have anymore but um yes i do and and tons of prints in my bedroom cool cool so um my experience with star wars i've I've seen all the movies i actually started with star wars by reading a comic book called tales of the jedi it was set in the old republic it also starred a female protagonist and she was very powerful she could actually i think her force ability helped her um influence entire armies and to give them just a bit of a morale boost to uh to help uh, turn the tide of war which is quite a powerful um force ability as we know with the the old republic there's a lot a lot stronger abilities for sure um and then you know i i honestly didn't i thought the original trilogy was okay like i saw the um the special editions when they came out um in in the theater when i was younger and then i saw the 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 prequels um and then i saw the uh the sequel trilogy honestly for me i I really love seven and and the rest were kind of okay i'm actually more into the expanded universe um both the comics and i also think like with with the clone wars as well they really fleshed out the story of anakin because it really made no sense why he went evil in the um in the actual movies but the clone wars actually made it make sense which makes it way cooler and now on that topic, just uh, just adding a bit of an Asian slant to this, because this is, of course, an Asian comedy podcast, um, Star Wars leans very, very heavily into North America and Western markets. It is not much successful in, obviously, in China, which is the, the biggest market, Um I, I forget the numbers, but I think uh, Rise of Skywalker only made like fifty million, which was a huge, um, a huge downshift. Um, as far as compared to other huge movies like you know, 
the Marvel movies, the Avengers, where um, sometimes China will make more than um, than what you make in North America. Um, Star Wars just doesn't seem as popular with the Asians in comparison. Does anybody have uh, any theories about that? And if it, and on top of that is also um, a related note is sort of like what what are the things you don't like about star wars um and so let's go to uh let's go to nicholas yeah so um the my theory on, on why it's not big in asian markets is twofold a i think it's i, I well I, actually it's not twofold it's one one idea it's i think it's just based on what the story is um in its essence it's a in in the original trilogy it's a it's a conflict between father and son which doesn't really like ring like as like something that's perpetuated in Asian cultures as much. Um, the second thing is that it's about a, a small scrappy force going up against a empire, which I don't think is, is, is very, very, I, I guess, pushed in, in, in some Asian governments. Um, and, uh, and then uh, for me, uh, what do I, what I don't like about star Wars is nothing to do with the movies or, or anything about it. I just don't like how tribal the fans can become. Um, for me personally, I'm, I'm of the opinion that more star Wars is good star Wars. It's escapism. It's a chance to go into a different universe more time we get to spend in all galaxy far, far away, I consider a win. <laughs> so e e like, e even if the last Jedi has whole plots, stories, plot holes that, that aren't really explained, I'm like who gives a fuck? We get to see a casino in star Wars. That's awesome. And so that's, that's basically all, all, all I, uh, I, I just don't get, get, uh, it bothers me that people hate things. I love things. Oh well. Uh, following up on that, let's let's uh, let's go over to to Lily. What do you have any theories? Um, did you find your Asian? Well, I guess you didn't have a lot of Asian friends growing up in Calgary, but did you find? I did. I did. Luckily, I did. I ah. had a good mixture, but definitely more Caucasian friends just because there were more Caucasians in Calgary. But my theory, and I don't know if this is true or not, but like I was going back to saying there are a lot of female protagonists and when it comes to Asian soap operas or Asian TV shows or dramas, historically, I mean, now it's different, but when I was growing up, usually it's the man that's in charge. It's the women are usually the more like subservient. How can I support my man if he's the emperor or the king? It's, it's always been um, behind the scenes, like, like they, they'll, they'll help prep the king to get ready for battle. It's never a woman's, I guess, place to be out there to lead the troops, so to say. And well, I, like, you have the exceptions like Hidden Dragon. Yeah. So I think, kind of thing, I think right? because Star Wars has such a long history and things are changing now, right? But I think back in the day, mm -hmm. it's not as popular, but now, and they're introducing well, more. Just, yeah, back then. Yeah, just, uh, just, just a quick thing, Susie. A lot of times when you're coming in, you're coming in very, very quickly and a little bit oh. soft. So it's just coming off as uh, random noises. We can't actually hear oh. you. So just... Uh, Make sure to get close to your okay. microphone and uh, and uh, speak up just just a little bit, um, uh, just just for our listeners. Um, so let's head over to uh, to Thomas. What's your theory and uh, what what do you not like about Star Wars? Okay, okay. Well, the theory isn't uh, the theory isn't why it's not as popular in China in particular and or in Asia as a whole. Um, I think part of it is um, you know a lot of Star Wars. Uh, popularity these days is still driven by the nostalgia factor that people who watched it in the 70s and, and 80s mm. uh, either continue to watch it themselves or they you know have their kids watch it and they share that experience so if you weren't part of the star wars market in the original trilogy you know that that part of it kind of undercuts the um uh, undercuts the uh, the interest there a uh, second thing is and they always find it curious that star wars itself in many ways was based on parts of asian culture like uh, you know, the, the you know the Kurosawa film, The Hidden Fortress, was uh, is almost you know is, uh, is, is has very has a has a plot similar to the original Star Wars, um, and maybe that's part of the situ maybe as part of it the the fact that it it seems to be Asian culture, in mm. in drag, if I if, if, if I use that term. <laughs> um, 
That's no, wait, the best it's... metaphor I've heard in a while. That's great. You're saying cultural because in some ways yeah there's a lot of asian influence i was based on a samurai movie you know uh from back then uh there's you know people you know um doing doing the you know wuxia uh uh fighting moves it's about family dynasties um maybe is the familiarity you know the familiar it seems too familiar but not quite there in terms of in terms of the cultural experience whereas like marvel comics is marvel comics you know yeah. Like the stages too. Like uh, we've got uh, Obi Wan, we've got Yoda. You know, we've got like I'm not. I'm not gonna. Jabu yeah, and those guys are very much like the kind of kind of the uh, the Shifu or the Sifu or the or the. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 is super confusing that it has such an Asian sure. Sure. ring to it, but it's not more embraced in Asian culture, right? Because like at their core, Jedi's are are warrior monks, right? <laughs> like that's like, and then those are two things, or or basically they're like they're like uh, religious ninjas, right? Like if you want to look at it that way on a different plane. So the fact that it's not more or embraced by by like or the asian i guess market is is a little mind-boggling because it seems yeah. right up their alley yeah and you know i i do want to you know just clarify i'm talking relatively like obviously 50 million is still 50 million it's just you know whereas that's you star wars is always like top three film of the year grossing in north america whereas in china that year is probably like not even in the top 20 maybe even yeah, definitely not the top 20 earners. So, you know, it's it's not a bomb, but definitely can't count on uh, on the Chinese market to make up um, any of their budget the way that other big movies have. My, my kind of theory is actually that it's a little bit too simple, which is actually why I think it works. Because um, I recently watched um, of why it works in the West. Because I, I, I watched the, uh, there's a documentary on Disney Plus um, from George Lucas talking about how he made it and, and, you know, he really just wanted to make it very simple, good versus evil, good versus evil. And I think after a certain point, it's just not layered enough because I remember even, even, even as a kid, I, f I feel like Asian audiences are less protected. Even as kids, like our movies more often than not had a sad ending, like mm -hmm. to have a happy ending was like, you'd be like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> so I, I think having it just so simple, which is what helped it in the West, hurt it in the East because like the bad guys literally wear black and are called the evil empire. And it's <laughs> like the dark side. And it's kind of funny because I Asian think- Asian culture is opposite though, isn't it? Sort of in some ways. Yeah, but it's a little bit different because I would say like the concepts of good and evil are layered in the East because it's a yin and yang, right? There's no yeah. absolute good, no absolute evil. Um, and um, one can't exist without the other. It's unity. So like having it just be all good versus all evil, I don't think really resonates in a society where... You know, like I said, where yin and yang and balance and all of that, it's not really about, okay, this side is good, this side is bad. And I think, um, it, at least for me, whenever I watched it, you know, like I said, that's why I like the expanded universe class where they put in the nuance because I feel like the movies, they just simplify things a little bit too much. Like, even yeah. like how people get drawn to the dark side, I feel like you know what, they could talk about how power corrupts and, you know, how, you know, it's hard to be a Jedi because how many people Definitely. do you know in the real world who could, like, overwhelm people with power and don't? But they don't really talk about that. It's just like, oh, like, I don't even know why. It's like, oh, it's it just yeah. sort of drawn to it. Yeah, Nicholas? Yeah, and, and and that definitely goes back to what we were saying earlier about how why Clone Wars. If you get it, you have to watch it. It's really good. It's a great cartoon. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I'm just wondering to myself, and maybe someone that's listening could throw it in the comments. I'll gladly take it. But um, whether or not the Clone Wars is more prevalent in in the Asian markets, if it does better, because that's really the complicated stories, right? Because the overarching story of of Cl the Clone Wars cartoon is whether or not the war is valid whether or not they should be fighting it, whether or not the Jedi should be in, involved in this type of conflict. And that's mm -hmm. kind of Ahsoka Tano's 
story. Like that's, that's her, her going through the turmoil of whether or not she feels this is right and whether or not she feels that they should be exploiting clones, even though that they were created for this purpose. Right. And that's just such a layered story again, in a children's cartoon where they're, they're wearing this, where it's not just good versus evil. It's are the good guys doing the right thing? Yeah, you know, just sort of to to jump back on on one of um, on something you said previously, Nicholas, about the toxic fandom, and you know, um, taking once again another Asian Asian uh, perspective on it. You know, they we finally had a, um, a prominent Asian character in Rose Rose Tico Rose Tico. Um, <laughs> really prominent got a lot of hatred from the uh from the fandom you know she sort of like stopped doing social media and then she basically got cut out of the the last film how did um how did that make you feel let's go to to lily did you keep up with those stories um of the whole rose uh Tycho situation, and, um, and we and we should mention the actor's name. It's uh, Mary Ann Tran. Yeah, I did not keep up with the stories, but I did see the film that she was in. So that's kind of sad that if she was. Yeah. How about uh, yeah. over to you, Thomas? You know, it's it's. Um, I was a little just that's you. You know, um, I would have got uh, in terms of the thing I didn't like about Star Wars mm. is that you know, Vong earlier you mentioned uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think there's another interesting comparison here. Um, when Captain Marvel came out, there's a lot of backlash against that character from what I imagine the same group of um, a very misogynistic, uh, uh, vocal misogynistic fan base. What did Marvel do? They gave they gave her even bigger powers, and they let they they have her took to um they, they let her take down thanos's mothership by herself okay mm-hmm. that's how they responded star wars responded by almost caving in and almost you know comically deleting this character altogether in the, in the part to the point where she had like two or three lines uh from you know so i, I think that's a real difference and I, I find it disappointing the way they the production of the movies uh, yeah. treated uh, that character uh what was that Susie? we couldn't quite hear you got a kiss she got a kiss from oh, because oh, because you you didn't see that was one of the it. movies you hadn't seen, right? right. Um, so let's go over to uh, to Nicholas since uh, you had initially brought up that that fandom. Yeah, I mean the the thing that I I I, I kind of um, I kind of blame like the the writing put her as a as a character and as an actress in such a rough spot like that whole. Um, storyline that they put her on in in the last Jedi was really driven by her character and and, and her idea and her and Finn having this kind of like uh, you know almost like a buddy cop type of uh, moment going on that trip, um, but in its in its essence like it, it was almost like sitcom writing wherein at the end of that their episode or the end of their trip the characters were right back where they started right like they they. Yeah. Uh, their whole trip really didn't accomplish anything so it, it, that that kind of drove the main story so it, it, she was kind of damned if she did damned if she didn't like who's going to turn down the opportunity to be in star wars you, you read the script you, you you sign up to do those scenes you don't really know how it's going to fall into the the general um the general story even though you have the script right like in star wars you probably just got the scenes that you're in right you don't even know what the general story is because of secrecy purposes right um, and so she was just really in a tough position. She like killed the scene she was in. She did a great job acting them. It's just, um, I don't think that this was a, like, I think there was a racist tinge to what, what would happen online, but I don't think it was racist in its, in its, um, I guess it's Genesis. It wasn't because she was Asian. It's just because the character didn't have much to do. And then, you know, hatred just spews hatred type of thing. Yeah. I think my, my take on it is, is sort of similar. I think, that um you know it's kind of funny because i i feel like you know so i i was one of the people and you know we're we sort of went over this on the when we did the longer podcast in december about it so i'm not going to go too deep into like last jedi versus um uh rise of skywalker all that kind of stuff but what i will say is with the toxic fandom and there definitely is like this you know this misogynist racist you know underbelly uh fandom but I, I do think 
what what made a lot of fans upset about The Last Jedi and me being one of them is that, you know, and obviously I'm not racist toward Asians because I, I am Asian. It's just whenever somebody didn't like it, we were grouped in with like the white nationalists. And I was like, wait a minute, you don't have to be a white nationalist to not like this movie. I was like, there's some um, like issues in this movie. And then I, I got offended when... Um, what's her name kathleen kennedy came out and uh the uh the the director ryan johnson or whatever came out and they were just like basically if you didn't like it you were like a white nationalist and obviously being an asian i was like that's that's like ridiculous and they're basically just saying you know any movie you put out you can't please everybody and there's always gonna be toxic fandom and i was like well i didn't see toxic fandom at the same level with, uh, you know, Infinity War or Endgame, and they have very passionate fans. So I was like, I do get that there are toxic fans, but I do think they were just throwing everybody under the, under the bus, saying if you don't like it, you're a white nationalist. Because I was like, that movie had issues, people. Like it had real issues, and it's unfortunate that those issues were directed toward um, and. Uh, toward that character and the actor that played her I, i'm sorry i think i got the actor's name wrong last time but can somebody say kelly it? marie tran kelly, kelly marie tran okay good yeah. I, I, yeah. I i i felt bad that i got it but you know I, I i mean let's not stay all negative on this because let's look at the positive side that there was a black guy also on that trip and he no one was was screaming about him right so we're moving forward <laughs> we, <laughs> we, well, like it's a it's a different group but like you know it could have been you know objectively like more vitriolic and i i mean yeah so you know sort of so, sort of so to when yeah sort of to to go on that sort of um and ending on a happier note let's uh let's let's talk about the future of star wars so Rise of Skywalker is coming out on Disney Plus tomorrow, months early. Um, there was a lot of pressure on Disney Plus to get that done. I don't think it was set to come out until like August, September. Um, so that that's a really cool thing they they did. But what what future projects are you most excited for? Do you want to see you know Ryan? Yeah, we'll 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 go to you next, Susie. Like, um, uh. Do you want to see Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, which I don't think is really going to happen? Do you want to see the next next Mandalorian? There's the uh, there's the uh, Cassian is I forget if it's Cassian Andor, Andor. Cassian Andor. Yep. Yeah, that TV show. There's the um, Obi Wan Kenobi. Might be a TV show, might be a movie, might be canceled, um, or you know, there's future games, um, future comics things like that. What, what gets you most excited, Susie? And what, what would it take for you to start watching Star Wars again? Well, I want to watch it again. What I want to do is um, I want to watch The Empire Strikes Back again because I completely like that's just a half a blank to me. With a little bit of Java, I don't remember anything else. Anyways, um, and just Java the Hutt, the big slug. It was really hard for me to watch as a kid, right? So anyways, um, what I think I want to see in the future is where um like they've taken it to become more ethnically um inclusive they've taken it to be like uh more well they they've always had the one strong female character and then they you know and they've evolved and evolved but i'd like to see it where it's not like like how star trek has evolved where the characters aren't like it replaced one by one ethnic characters you know like i'd like to see like I, I heard on the previous episode, you guys are saying it's too many ethnic people that it will explode. Your brains will explode or something, right? In one, in one movie. I don't think that necessarily has to be the case. I think we can have tons of ethnic people in there in, in future Star Wars. I think in future we're all going to be brown, so what does it matter? <laughs> we're all going to look like me with almond eyes. Yeah. Exactly! <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's head over to to Nicholas for your opinion, since you love the expanded universe and all the different uh, oh, all the man, different lines. Um, I am so excited for all of this stuff coming out um, because they're they're doing what they should do with the, with the, such a great property like this. Um, 
they're they're like they did with Marvel, where they they have this core idea, this core um, anthology of stuff they can pull from, and then they're just picking out really good writers, really good directors, and letting them have the reins to a certain project. Right, The Mandalorian was incredible because John Fav they gave John Favreau the keys and said, "Go make what you want to make," and he made a Star Wars Western. That was awesome, right? And yeah. I, I can't wait to see what they do, uh, what it's like having Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan. Like, what's he going to What's he gonna be like as an adult? That, like, speaking back to it, like, like nuanced character work or nuanced stories, there's so much they can do with that after him failing as a person, failing on the one thing he set out to do to raise Anakin properly, right? Mm. What happens to that guy afterwards? I'm so excited to see what happens with that. Um, and like I said earlier, more Star Wars, good Star Wars. If they make another trilogy with a different different cast, different story, incredible. If, if we get to say, see Ray 20 years down the line, the late, like they did this past time where you see the same characters in a whole nother light, even better. Give me more. I love it all. I'll would, consume it. Would you want to see like a TV series that's not a cartoon, like, a, like a, coming up, like a Star Trek kind of series? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, the, the, the other, the, the ones that they have slated to come out, I'm super excited about. Like, The Mandalorian was really good, um, which was live action. Like, the, and, um, you know, it, even greater that they picked the guy that played Ober and Martell to be the, the Mandalorian. <laughs> like, that's just nerddom crossover uh, mm. orgasms all yeah. around, right? Okay, great. Now let's let's head on over to uh, to to uh, to Lily. What are you most looking forward to as far as the Star Wars projects? Well, I like to uh, go off the tangent. Like, if there was a TV show, I would definitely love to watch that. But I like how they're slowly starting to delve deeper into each of the characters and their backstories. Like, even like with Darth Vader, they've gone. I think over the last few movies, they just drill deeper into his character so you get like a better understanding of why he is so messed up right so I like delving deeper into that so the character development so I'm excited to see them delve not just into the protagonist but into the antagonist as well to see kind of like how did they wind up where they were today so so as a an audience you, you hate them but you kind of love them too I kind of like that because it makes you think like people don't just snap one day and want to like mm -hmm. you know, take over the galaxy. How did they get to where they got? And then so I think as an audience, you feel that sympathy, but they still need to be defeated. So I like how they're delving deeper into the the antagonists as well. Uh, so you so want them to, to so you want them to cast uh, Joaquin Phoenix as yeah. a... <laughs> Bring the Joker into <laughs> um, the expanded universe. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't hear anybody right there. Um, did you guys want to repeat what you said one by one? Uh, I, I I just said uh, Jason Solo was uh, is in the books is a lot better than Ben Solo, um, and Jaina Solo is a character um, in, in the books that is. Like exactly what you were talking about there, Lily. Their relationship is really good, brother sister, and they're Han and Leia's kids, and in, in the books, and they're, oh man, it's it's all it's a layered story, and it's great. Yeah, yeah and let's uh, let's finish with Thomas. What are you most looking forward to? Uh, yes, I like to echo uh, Nicholas's comments about uh, the Mandalorian. Uh, not only for me, it's some of the best Star Wars content uh, in recent memory. It's probably some of the best television. Uh, oh. if, if you call it television in in recent memory and definitely looking forward to that um now you know, again i know uh ewan mcgregor is is reprising his role as obi-wan and i'm looking forward to that as well uh, he can he can pretty much sell any role uh that stated um between that and then you've got the, the uh, cassian andor thing um and then we had you know the kind of solo movie a while ago that underperformed i'm hoping that we do that we see less of them kind of rewinding and you know, and, and telling like almost like prequel stories again, you know, like, okay, we're going to go back to this character that you've already seen before and then go back to before you saw him in the, in the movie. I'm hoping they, 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 they resist the temptation to keep going back to that. Well, like and they said, go forward. And so instead Either that or commit fully to the past and give us live action, old Republic stuff. Oh, <laughs> just a full scale <laughs> Sith Jedi war. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah you know what? I, the, part of me wants to see that, but another part of me doesn't like, you know, a, a overuse of the kind of the prequel uh, theme. Mm. It, it becomes a matter of, you know, one of the key elements of storytelling is what the what are the stakes? What are the stakes? If we know how things are going to turn out, then that that you know that takes away a little bit of the. Um, drama bits. I'm hoping things move forward, whether it's uh, another sequel trilogy by Ryan Johnson, you know, I'm, I'm, I remain open to see to see what, 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 what can happen next or with a different creator altogether. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I did really like the first season of Mandalorian, um, but I'll say specifically, I liked the episodes that Jon Favreau wrote um, and or directed. I think there were a whole bunch of um, what Asians would know as filler episodes that they brought in another writer. Um, I don't even count those as canon because basically nothing happened. Um, and you could literally watch the series without those episodes and you would not miss a thing. So I would say if you watch The Mandalorian, look up what episodes Disney forced extra writers to write and avoid those. Because the actual core story, I, I felt like it was about uh, maybe... It was definitely like four episodes too long. Um, and then when I looked it up, I found out those were the four episodes that John Favreau did not write. Um, <laughs> so for the future, so on a more positive note, I, I hope they do still give the creative freedom to people like John Favreau and people to uh, to create those stories. And I just hope they don't interfere. Um, and this time, they their interference didn't quite ruin it. But you know, let's hope they uh, they don't try and jump in and insert themselves just let the creators do their thing um i would say i i am looking forward to um you know it's it's interesting what, what thomas said i i i i do want them to go to a different time period to tell stories of different characters um but for me i i'm i agree with thomas and like you know i don't want the origin story of somebody we already know but i feel like if you go back thousands of years to a different time period where we don't know any of the characters and they're all new to me, I would count that as, as, as in, as a new storyline. Um, and that would interest me. So whether they go back to the past way to the future or just to some, you know, sister galaxy, um, as long as it's a, it's a whole new set and not relying on nostalgia, I think that would be, uh, That'd be interesting. But uh, that brings us to a close. So I want to thank you all, um, you know, Thomas, Lily, Susie, and Nicholas. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a great celebration of Asian Heritage Month. Just to close out, um, if you could give um, just, just quickly a little bit about um, your projects coming up. How can people find you? Let's uh, start with Nicholas. Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram at Nick Fernandez Comedy. I have a podcast that I'm on a bit of a hiatus from because I don't know what I'm going to do with it creatively next, but uh, it's called Outside the Party as well. It's got quite a few episodes up for you to binge if you want to get into that. And uh, see me, uh, stay tuned on release dates uh, from Vong here uh, on the fresh rice that I uh, I filmed and I was super excited to be a part of. Uh, and, uh, yeah, um, when we get to do stand up again, catch me doing stand up <laughs> all around uh, Toronto eventually. Okay, great. Let's, uh, let's head over to Susie. What, what projects do you have coming up? Well, um, I'm right now trying to write a, a little bit of a musical series. So a little bit of a parody series as well as a very, very short film. And uh, I was um, going to stand up and then this pandemic hit. So I kind of switched, like just temporarily, you know, switch gears a little bit and uh, yeah, just veered off a little bit. And I'm hoping to be able to come back to doing that. Um, my, you can find me at, uh, at Susie Comedy on both Facebook and on Instagram, S-U-Z-Y Comedy. And um, yeah, and I just posting like, um, some, you know, content that I, I think is, you know, just might brighten up some people's days and things here and there. So hopefully. Okay, great. Thanks. Let's uh, head on over to Lily. Well, you can find me on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, but my Instagram is L-I-L-L-Y dot H-U-A. I am have taking a forced break from my stand-up career 
because there's uh, no bars and pubs open where you can perform at. So, but I'm still very busy participating in a lot of writing rooms where I'm still perfecting my comedy. I'm also working on a YouTube show of my own and doing a lot of writing on that. So yeah, check me out on Instagram, Lily. Sorry to interrupt. Will you be coming back to Toronto? I live in Toronto now. Oh, I thought you were out right now somewhere else and you're coming back. Okay, good. No, I moved here from Calgary three years ago. Okay, so you're in Toronto right this second. Sorry, oh my God. I thought we were talking from Calgary. But I thought you went back for some reason. Sorry. What do you right. mean, guys? We're all in the same room. Oh, that's true. Sorry, I just forgot about that too. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, the airport, we can't fly right now anyways. Oh. But your oh. handles, your handles. No, she, she she already gave her her handle. So let's uh, let's head on over to Thomas. Yeah. So hopefully, once uh, things are back to relative normal, you can see me around Toronto as uh, both doing stand up and also as the um, part of the uh, sketch comedy group Wrestling Without Wrestling. So basically, my humor, but in shiny types. So that's something to um, to either look forward to or dread. Uh, and I'm also uh, keep your eyes peeled. I'm I'm in the middle of. A, I'm close to launching uh, my uh, insane one-man talk show on YouTube, uh, Irregular Wellness Update. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, it'll be something um, you've never seen before. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you, Thomas. And I am your host and producer, Vong Show. You can find me at Vong Show. That's like Gong Show, but with a V on all the socials. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Basically, anything that exists, I'm on it, and it is the same handle at Vong Show or slash Vong Show, depending on the social media. So once again, I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, my next project will be tomorrow's episode. So um, come back, listen some more, and have a great Asian Heritage Month. Bye. Thank you. Hi, that was wonderful. Happy Asian Heritage Month. I got a hole in my soul. This is what we call filling time. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.